This episode of the Haunted Road Trip Show is brought to you by Evidential Medium, Tracy St. Croix. Are you ready to find solution, acceptance, and closure for the traumas and hurts you experience in this world? Visit www.tracystcroixmedium.com and discover how an Arthur Finley College of Psychic Sciences trained evidential medium can provide life-changing experiences by connecting deceased loved ones with friends and family to achieve peace and closure. Welcome to the Haunted Road Trip Show, where we bring you powerful conversations, insights, and exciting site investigations that reveal the paranormal world in a way you've never seen before, up until now. Tune in and become part of a community that enjoys the thrill of finding out what the paranormal world wants to teach you and solve the issues. Be sure to visit our website at www.hauntedroadtripsshow.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, prepare to have your thirst for curiosity satisfied as you enjoy ghost stories, haunted house stories, and more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Haunted Road Trip Show. I am your grateful host, Tracy St. Croix. And for this episode, I have somebody who like in it like invented special. I'm just convinced of it. Oh. <laughs> I had the wonderful um synchronistic opportunity of meeting this wonderful being at the Arthur Finley College of Psychic Sciences a few years ago. And let me just tell you what, he is one of the most precious human beings. He is a wonderful psychic medium. He is a full-time, you know, teacher of all things metaphysics and intuitive. He lives in the beautiful city of Asheville, North Carolina. And I am so proud to be able to know him. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right, and you're going to pronounce your name because I'm going, I might butcher it, your last name. It's very Greek. Uh, no, it's Polish. <laughs> but it's Greek to a lot of people. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. It's 100% Polish. Oh, God. Oh, well, pr- pronounce your name so everybody will know it. It's Anthony Miklojewski. But it's easier, it's easier to go um, by the Asheville medium because that's what I go by. And um, it's much easier to um, remember my name that way. <laughs> oh, yes. It definitely, it definitely is on there. Well, I am absolutely thrilled to have him on the show you guys he I was so excited when he accepted the invite because I just said the world needs to know about Anthony and if you guys want ghost stories because that might be why you come to this this show a lot like he's got like oodles of them oodles and oodles of them that I cannot wait to hear and be able to talk about and share. But for those of you who are curious, um, like we said, we met at Hogwarts. We lovingly call it Hogwarts. Yes. Christopher Finley College of Psychic Sciences. Do you remember what the villagers called it? 
Um, I can't remember. I I can't remember. Refresh my memory on that one. They called it Spook Hall. Spook Hall. That's right. Yes. That's right. Because Arthur Finley College, uh, just for those uh, people who are listening, it's in Stansted, England, and um, it's the place to study for uh, metaphysics, science, and mediumship. And um, anyhow, it used to be a residence of Arthur Finley, and he donated it to uh, psychic science. And so, um, anyhow, um, we met there, and we had a great time. And we just connected um, in a really odd way. Remember how we met? We were we met through someone that you were um, sort of connected with there at Arthur Finley College as a student there. And indirectly, we just kind of met. And it was my roommate that she was kind of have, seeing, right? And it was just um, strange um, how we met. But we just connected, right? We just had a great, a great time. Oh yeah, that place, you know, that place is, is known for connecting people and um, it is very haunted for all of those who are wanting to know. It is very active paranormally. Yes. And uh, do you remember we all had the same paranormal experience? Do you remember that? I do. Yes. I was, um, uh, sleeping the first night and, um, while trying to sleep, it was very hot and unusually warm that year. And, um, I, um, I felt, you know, someone touched me in the middle of the night and they caressed my back. It was really weird. And I woke up and I was so freaked out by it. And, um, I looked around and of course, um, you know, um, I was rooming with somebody, but he was way over there. I, I was like, okay, I know it's a spirit. And I just said to him, uh, and I kind of whispered to the spirit, I said, okay, that's enough. Do not do that. I'm trying to sleep here. <laughs> yes. No, do you remember the door thing? Remember that a few nights later, the doors? Uh, I don't remember that. Refreshing my memory. I went, I remember we were all about to go to bed and I went up to my room and Arthur Finley has these these very older locks on the doors. So yes. when somebody is coming in the door, it is it is noticeable. Like the you know you can hear the hand on the doorknob turning. You can hear the the skeleton key going into the door. Like there's no sneaking about um, in that place. And I remember I was in my room. And I was sitting on the bed and the door was behind kind of like a little corner. So I couldn't see the door, but I heard the door starting to unlock and open. And I thought that's weird because I'm not rooming with anybody. And I said, hello. And I just remember feeling like somebody just came through the room and was just like checking on things. It was weirdest thing. And then I remember. We it was. Bed. I remember you telling me now. (laughs) Okay, you remember this now. Okay, great. See, I'm not crazy. And then the next morning, during the morning, me and Anthony, we would always meet up and we would walk down this gorgeous back pathway. It was like something out of a freaking fairy tale, y'all. With the meadow flowers and it was gorgeous. And we'd go into Stansted Village and have a coffee at the cafe before classes started and then come back and have breakfast. And we would just kind of, um, you know, engage of what we experienced um, either from the night before or, 
you know, just what our classes were, right? Yeah. And remember, I told you, I said, this is what happened to me last night. And what did you say? <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, it, it, I could hear the doors trying to open even for me as well. And I was like, wow. Um, because these doors are like, I, I would say they're almost like eight inches thick. They're solid, probably walnut doors. I mean, they're, they're gorgeous. Um, the place was built in the, in the mid 1800s, um, maybe even maybe the late 1800s, maybe like 18, 1880 or something. I got to look at the date on that. I apologize. But um, anyhow, it was built in the 18, in the 1800s. And um, so the architecture, it's, um, it's really quite astounding. It's, it's like a miniature um, Downton Abbey to give you an idea how big it is. is. And like, I remember if you guys look up the history, but remember you said you had that happen in your room and then you said next door had said something to you about the same thing. So it was like, right. And um, the the next morning I was getting ready and um, I came up because I had forgotten something from my room and there was someone locked out of her room. And she says, I can't believe like I, I stuck a, a towel in my door because the, the showers were at the end of the hall. And um, um, she went to take a shower. When she came back, the door was closed and locked. And so she was standing out there with the towel on her head and around her body. And she's like, Anthony, you've got to go down and get an extra key. So I ran down and got her one. But we laughed about that because the door is like, she said, somebody locked me out. <laughs> yeah, there were definitely spirits there that were really, really liked to mess with the doors. And if you look at the Arthur Finley, there's, there's, I mean, this man specifically built this castle. Like there was, what was it? Something like 52 rooms and 12 smokestacks. It was something very um, connected with um, astrology. I remember that I, I'll have to look up all of the direct information because I don't want to speak out of, um, out of turn here, but I remember he was into like astronomy and astrology. Yes. And then he started investigating um, mediums and, um, you know, understanding the, the, the truth behind um, the information that um, they would have known that, um, well, that they did know that they wouldn't have known about his past and about his family. And, and that's how we started to, um, take more interest in mediums and um, through his research, he donated his home to, um, yep. to become a college, which is quite amazing. Yes. And it was many things. It was a war hospital. It was all kinds of, I, I, I could talk about some really cool paranormal experiences there, but I remember talking <laughs> with you about all of your paranormal experiences outside of the Arthur Finley college <laughs> of psychic sciences as well. It seems to, um, you seem to be attracted to it. Um, I have realized that um, I get a lot of physical um, mediumship experiences, and um, I'm, I'm actually going to Lilydale this year um, to study um, there in the Victorian uh, Physical Mediumship Symposium. So I'm excited about that because I've realized that I am a physical medium. I'm just I'm in the beginning stages of understanding how to work with it. And for those of you that don't understand physical mediumship, it's um, it's about the spirit world being able to create uh, physical movement of objects or uh, manifestation or sounds or direct voice or in, uh, direct voice 
and um, they could do it with music and all kinds of things. There's, there's, I can't even, can't even cover all the physical mediumship, but it, it basically that the spirit world can actually um, create a physical um, experience yes. for us to experience in the physical world. So you remember, okay, we said we weren't going to talk about AFC anymore, but one, one more quick story because it leads into your physical mediumship. Do you remember that night? And I, I can't remember the names of the mediums that they were doing a physical and trance mediumship demonstration. Yes. And the lightning shot across the room. Yes, that's correct. We were inside everybody. I know it was really crazy. It was, um, it was shocking <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> if I hadn't seen that with my own eyes and literally like probably at least about like what 40 other people were in the room as well. That oh, yes. Like a good 40. Yes. That is an example, you guys, of how, how. People with one kind of intention or holding space for something, how those manifestations do happen. Right. Because it's the power of the medium working their, um, their inner power to connect with the spirit world. And then the spirit world um, building up that energy to create that manifestation of physical activity. Um, it's really quite amazing when you think about it. It was quite, I mean, that is something <laughs> that will be a memory in my mind until I pass into the spirit world, because it was that, that like shocking. Literally. It was very shocking. <laughs> but it was also shocking and gorgeous all at once. So mm-hmm. that was, it certainly yeah, was. I was like, holy bejesus. So. Tell us, tell us about some of your your more like creepy experiences with the paranormal. Like, sure, you're like, what in the world? Sure. Um, well, as many of you know, I haven't always um, been a professional medium. I worked in the hair industry for um, well, it's been now uh, forty four years, and um, I know and. Uh, so I'm a I'm a late bloomer as far as the professional medium. So um so most of my life was in the hair industry. And um I lived in Michigan and right now I live in North Carolina uh, near the Asheville area. And um uh at the time I was um you know uh living in Detroit in the Detroit area. Um and I had as I'm working with clients I started to realize uh, that I was connecting with my clients and feeling as though I was hearing or envisioning and feeling what they were about to say. And so I was hearing these phrases and seeing these stories before, like maybe a minute or two before they would share with me the same story that I was seeing or I was hearing. It was... Right. So freaky. I can't begin to tell you because I wasn't knowing, I didn't know anything about mediumship. I, you know, um, I knew some people were psychic, but I never knew what a medium was. And I never had any idea that I was going to be doing this for a living. So, um, you know, it was just really, um, that's how it started. And it would be, um, 
you know, like I had this experience um, with the phone ringing and there was, you know, maybe, you know, almost say 15 or 16 different stylists plus, you know, other staff and manicurists and such. Um, and the phone would ring and it was ringing constantly because I was near the front desk. My station was close. My workstation was close to the desk. And um, I would hear um, a voice tell me that phone call specifically for you. And they would get on the PA system and say, Anthony, now we don't, you know, we didn't receive phone calls on a regular basis, but, um, but the phone call would be for me. And I would just be like, how the heck did I know that? Who was telling me this, you know? Um, and so to kind of, you know, go forward, um, it started ramping up more in my twenties. Now I had childhood experiences, but we'll, we'll get more into the more, um, uh, we can go back to that if we want to. Um, but it, it really ramped up in my 20s. Um, one day, I, it was a Friday, I went, to, um, I went to the bank. I went to go cash my check. I was still an assistant in the salon. And, um, you know, things were tight because you're, you're an assistant, you know, and <laughs> oh, you're just beginning in the salon and getting yourself started and getting your clients uh, ramped up and, you know, starting to get more clientele. And um, so I went over to the bank to cash my check, and it was probably about um, quarter after five. And it was across the street, so I walked over. And I'm standing in line, and while I'm standing in line for just a few minutes, I felt all of a sudden extremely sick. It was almost as like a fever came over me. I started to, you know, perspire profusely, and um, I felt as though I was going to pass out. And I saw I'm laying across. I start to lay across where they have all the slips for the deposit slips and stuff with the counter, you know, the glass counter. And I actually, I had to lay there on top of it. I thought I was going to fall on the floor. I mean, it was really uh, frightening. Um, And I thought seriously, something was wrong with me. Um, And uh, people came rushing to me and there were people standing in line in front of me. And this old lady tapped me on the shoulder and she's wearing a floral house dress. And she was real short, and and I I didn't really see her face. I just kind of saw her image because I was, you know, I just felt so so comfortable on that cold glass. (laughs) And she said, honey, everything's going to be all right. And um, I said, thank you, ma'am. And so they brought me some water. And it was amazing with as quick as it came on, it came off of me uh, so quickly. It was almost as though something like attacked me. I don't know how to explain it. That was, that's how I can explain it. Anyway, so I said to the man in front of me, I said, where's that little old lady that was behind me? And he said, there wasn't any old lady behind you. There wasn't a person like that. And I said, no, I saw her. I saw her standing there behind me. And she, she, you know, she spoke to me and he says, there's no person that was standing there like that. And so I'm beginning to think, what the heck is happening to me? Did I imagine this? And, and so, you know, I'm next in line to get up to the teller and um, I'm just kind of, you know, like, what is going on? And thinking in my mind, I'm not even thinking about going up to the teller. And the next thing I saw is I saw three men in black ski masks with guns jumping over the counter and to 
Uh huh. To hold up the bank, right? This was a vision I saw. I saw it as a vision, like a movie. And I, I kept thinking to myself, oh my God, why am I thinking such horrible thoughts? This is horrible, you know? Um, you know, I just, and, and it freaked me out even more because here's something that I just saw. And I mean, it played out in front of me like it was you're watching it on TV, you know? Um, and it was horrible. So I'm flipping out standing there. And next I get up to the teller and she says to me, I, I walk up to her and she says, but what are we going to do today? And I says, you know, I, I, I can't even think straight, just deposit it. <laughs> and she says, you look green. That's what she says. You look green. Are you okay? And I said, um, no, I'm not really okay. Um, I think you should probably have someone watch to make sure I make it across the street to, you know, where I work. And so I came back to work and I told um, a few of my colleagues about it. And they said, you had a premonition. Like they kept saying, you had a premonition. This is like so crazy. And I'm even freaking out more. Like, why am I getting this premonition? And why was this thing so horrible, right? Um, And so I had a client to do. And I had to get myself in my head and get focused uh, because I can't have this all emotional stuff. And, you know, I've I've got to get focused here. I've got a client to do. And uh, so I was able to do it. And I finished my client. And on my way home, I stopped at the 7-Eleven. And I knew the manager there. I picked up a soda or something. And I remember her telling me, she says, did you hear what happened over at the Comerica Bank across from where you work? And I said, no. And I remember my mouth being open, right? And she says, uh, three men in black ski masks jumped the, the bank and held the bank up at, right before it closed. And, of course, I dropped my soda at the at the 7-Eleven and it splattered all over the place. And she said to me, you look green. That's what she said to me. And I, I had to tell her my story. And at the time, you know, um, I kept thinking, like, why was these kind of things happening? You know, that was just so shocking to experience, especially like in 1982. Um, you know, we just didn't have programs about mediumship or um, experiences or any, any kind of unsolved mysteries. No, we really didn't. So yeah, it was just a different world then. Right. So that was one experience that changed my whole world after that, because it only ramped up after that. Who do you so think, who do you think the old, the older woman was like, looking I think it was now, my grandmother. I think it was my grandmother from my dad's side. Yes, because I, I put the two and two together now, but at the time I just, and, and I didn't know her that well. I'd met her when I was like five and um, she passed away shortly after that. Um, she lived with us for a while and, um, and uh, yeah, I think it was her, you know, just telling me that things are going to be perfectly fine. Because uh, I see pictures of her and she always wears floral dresses and they're like those house dresses that little Polish or, yeah. you know, cultural ladies wear from, you know, she's very European. Mm-hmm. But um, moving forward, um, you know, I, I ended up um, lived in the suburbs. It's, late, it's, late, it's later in the 80s. And I decided that I wanted to buy my own home. And stop living the apartment life and and possibly have my own business in like three years. That was my goal, right? 
Right. So, um, you know, I sold my expensive car. I um, left the expensive apartment that I loved. And I moved to inner city in, in, um, in Hamtramck, which is a city surrounded by um, Detroit. And it's a Polish area. Um, it's changed now um, with different uh, ethnicities recently. But at the time, it was very, very Polish. And, uh, of course, I knew my parents at one time lived in that area. Um, so I, you know, I started looking for apartments. And, um, you know, at the time, we had to look at the paper. We didn't have the phone or the Internet back then. No crazy. So, yeah, and I had a few artist friends that lived down there, and they're like, Anthony, the rent is so inexpensive. You'll be able to save a lot of money. You can get a roommate. It's safe. you got to go down there. It's wonderful. I mean, you'll have the drive to work, but you'll be able to go into downtown and go to the restaurants in Greek town and, you know, right. Mexican town, do all the fun things. <clears throat> so I, I started looking, and I, I, I must have looked at um, probably 10 different apartments. And, you know, I, I went there to interview, you know, the landlords because I wanted to see how clean it was. It was a safe street and it was kept up nice and yada, yada. So I find this apartment, and um, there's this Greek and German woman who, and they're elderly, and they're the landlords, and they live down in the uh, lower half of the of the of the building and um you know the apartment was up above and the, the um the housing there um tracy is very similar to um, brooklyn where they have the upper and the lower and there's a porch above and then there's a back entrance and to, to get oh, to yeah. the yeah. yeah very similar to brooklyn yeah. yes just like that mm-hmm. so i found it i found the place it was spectacular it was spotless quiet the landlords are downstairs. They're elderly and quiet. That's exactly what I wanted. So after living there for about, um, I would say, two months, I started experiencing what some people would say raps, but this was actually a clap. And it was one solid clap, like if you were to like do that, right? Right. That loud. And the first time it happened, I remember I came home. I was going, I had plans to go to a party. It was on a Saturday night. Come home. I just had enough time to like shower and change clothes. And I remember having one leg in my pants. And I heard that noise in my apartment. And I thought to myself, what the heck is that? Right. I mean, I, I jumped about two feet because it was really loud. And I knew it came inside the apartment. So I quickly get, get dressed. I finished getting dressed and I looked through the closets. I'm looking in the rooms. I had, um, I think three bedrooms at the time. And, um, and so I'm looking through all the rooms. There's nothing, there's nothing that would indicate someone else's in, in the apartment. And that was a relief. So I just kind of like, Oh, I don't even know what the heck this is. And so I went on with my, with my knee, my evening. And, um, anyhow, those claps, kept increasing and i went through two roommates because they were so freaked out by it they they had to leave they're like i can't take it anymore it's too frightening for me right <laughs> yeah and um uh i could tell you it it, it increased with more physical activity 
Um, I had a friend of mine, her name is Anne. She comes over, she comes to visit. We're going out for breakfast. And we're sitting in my living room. We're talking. And I have the, the sofa with these sheer drapes behind me. Now, there's a window there, a full-size window, but you can't open it. And the door that leads to the porch is open. It's in the late late spring, early summer, so we had the front door open, the screen doors there. And uh, she's sitting there, and we're talking, and all of a sudden, the drapes blew behind, be, beyond the sofa all around her and basically covered her in these, these blinds. And her eyes were like, this big around and I know my eyes were really big too. I just looked at her and she just sat there. She was frozen. Right. And like, it almost like it engulfed her. Like they swarmed around her and then they came out like this and then just draped in front. And that was it. And she says, Oh my gosh, what was that? He says, I don't know. I have no idea. She's, I says, oh, my God, I'm so freaked out. I can't even move. She goes, I'm shaking. And so we thought, she says, was it the wind? Was it a gust of wind? And, and so, you know, we looked at the front door, and there was a big maple tree in front of the house. There wasn't a leaf moving. There was no wind. There was not even a quiver of a leaf, not, no breeze, no nothing. And so that was another experience. Um, Another time I came home, and this is this is where it starts escalating. Um, okay, um, I'm sorry. Flashback just a second. I okay. I was it was um, a Saturday, and it had snowed the night before, a couple inches of snow, and I set my alarm early. Well, I I woke up, and the alarm did not go off. And I'm in a panic, you know, the world's fastest shower. And my hair was long at the time. And we needed all this spraying goop for our hair in the 80s. And, you know, I was, um, it, it was just, you know what I mean? It was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. And so you're running around, like, trying to get your clothes together. And and then, you know, I have to, I don't have a garage. I have to go outside and sweep off the snow and turn on the car and let it heat up and, in the meantime, I'm soaking wet from my shower and I'm drying my hair at the time. And um, one of these loud claps happens again, really loud, right? Right. And I peek around the corner from the bathroom and I said, I don't have time for this. I'm speaking to the spirit at this time, right? I'm like, I don't have time for this. This is, this is crap, right? And the picture, I have this picture above my stove. It, came crashing down on my stove and it's one of those old stoves um with you know it had the holes in there with a, a gas stove but all that glass went inside the stove all over the floor um the picture was ruined it wasn't an expensive picture by any means but um anyhow the glass was start yelling at the ghost I was just so freaked out because I felt like I'll show you, you know, he was like, I'll show you. Like, Oh, you want to see something? So I, I get in the car and I drive to work and all I could be thinking about is what I just experienced. Right. (laughs) And (laughs) um, I hit a patch of ice on the freeway. And my car spins around like three times and I have a semi behind me 
Okay. So I'm seeing the lights of the semi behind me, two cars behind me, you know, two car lengths. And every time I'm spinning around, I kept thinking I was on the tilt whirl and I'm getting this vision of the semi and all these cars behind me. <laughs> and I, I I'm laughing now. I'm laughing now, but at the time it was it was horrific. And uh, terrifying. Yeah. Oh, I was I was I was going, oh my God, oh my god, oh my god, right. <laughs> and I heard a voice say to me indirect voice said to me in the car, just sit back and take your foot off the accelerator and just let go of the wheel. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking my hands off the wheel. And and finally, when I did, the car straightened out and the semi was, thank God, was going slow enough behind me, but I was gradually to accelerate and I took control of the car. In the meantime, you know, my hands were like shaking on the steering wheel. And of course, I get to work and experience, you know, share this with a few of my colleagues. And they're like, you have to get out of this place. This place is, I don't know how you can stay there. So anyhow, moving forward, I, I get home from a long work night. And um, is this the same day or a different night? Yeah, same day. I, I it's like day. It's, it's a Saturday and, you know, it's in the winter time, And of course, it's dark by the time I get home. And um, I, I kind of forgot about the glass, you know, and the whole incident. And I'm walking up the back way and I open the door and I see that I see that the picture is still on the stove. So I'm listening to my answering machine because back then we had answering machines um, listening for messages and I look at the stove, and there's no glass anywhere to be found. No glass. I lift up the picture. There's no glass in the frame, which whatever was left of it. There's no glass in the stove. I lift up the stove to see, you know. Right. And I'm on the floor looking to see if there's glass, and there's nothing there. And I open up the trash pail, and there's all this glass has been put in there meticulously in the in the trash bin right now i get on the floor and i i want to make sure because there's crevices and i i wipe my hand on the floor and there wasn't a sliver of glass to be found on the floor it was just the most insane thing i was so freaking out you have no idea okay i'm still like okay you like that is a movie script so like, this you move in somewhere and then one day like well it, coming down it gets better and, hang on it gets better uh, there's so more. Yeah, there's more yes yeah. so i i had um i had stopped and uh, picked up a, a movie thinking that i would watch it for the weekend and i i thought well i'm gonna watch it tonight you know this was back when we had to go to blockbuster yeah yes it's where i stopped before i came home right so, um, you know, and I had some microwave popcorn and I thought, you know, I'm just going to sit and chill and watch a movie. And um, anyhow, I had to try to get my head around. So after a day like that, like that. Right. That's so, like, my like I, I, I'd be like, holy shit. <laughs> well, I, so I, I had that planned. And before I did that, I thought, well, my landlords must have come upstairs. They must have heard the crash, came upstairs, and cleaned it for me. I'm thinking logically because I'm a, at the time I was a very analytical person, <laughs> and so um, I go downstairs and I knock on their door. Now it's you know it's late and dark, and I'm you know they're elderly and they're probably wondering who the heck's knocking on the door. 
and they turn on the light and they let me in and she's and uh, her name was Olga, believe it or not. And so um, Olga says to me, I will come on in. And I explained to her, you know, you must have gone upstairs. I just wanted to thank you all for sweeping the glass. And she's just looking at me like she has no idea what I'm talking about. She's during the headlights, right? Right. <laughs> she, um, she, you know, summons her husband, Sam. She's like, Sam, you know, come here. And so she asked him, she says, did you go upstairs and, and clean, you know, in Anthony's kitchen? And he says, no, I've not been in your apartment. And um, I says, you guys didn't hear the crash this morning? I mean, it was so loud, you cannot believe. Right. And those old buildings, you can, I mean, I can hear them muffling, you know, with their voices in the morning when they're having breakfast. And I know they had to have heard it. They didn't hear a thing. They didn't hear the crash at all. They had no idea what I was talking about. So I am flipping out. And internally in my head, and I say to them, I want to ask you, have you had any incidences from previous tenants of them telling you that they have had strange occurrences in this building? And they just looked at me so like I was crazy, and they said, no. I said, okay. (laughs) So I says, well, thank you. Um, You know, and so I went upstairs. So I um, hit the microwave, put the popcorn in. The microwave dies in the middle of the pop, right? I mean, it dies. It won't. I, I try to restart it. It won't start. I have to throw the popcorn out. And I thought, I didn't think much of it. I just thought, well, the microwave died. So um, I went to go put the, the tape in for the movie. And the tape starts becoming, it's, it's eating, the machine's eating the tape, right? And I think to myself, you've got to be kidding me, right? This was crazy. And so I, you know, you, at the, back then you used to rewind it by, with your fingers, you know, <laughs> because if you, if you had it damaged, you were charged 60 or $70 for a damaged tape back then if you, re, if you returned it. So I rewound it and stuck it back in again, thinking, you know, Maybe it just needs to try it one more time. Well, it did exactly the same thing. I stopped it and, you know, took it out. And I'm thinking, okay. So I think, well, I'm just going to read a book, right? Sit in the living room. I had, um, at that time, I used to collect jukeboxes. And um, I used to work on them and and restore them. And so I had, you know, three of them. I had a few in storage. And I had one in my living room, actually. And it was a Wurlitzer from 1939. And I, I, you know, I play 78s of 40s and 50s music. And so I, I turned it on and I'm sitting there reading a book. And all of a sudden, the sparks start coming out of this jukebox. And I thinking, and I, I actually saw a flame. <laughs> and I jump off the sofa and I unplug it immediately. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Um. I just, I kept thinking now there's some sequence of something that's going on here at this point, because this is three appliances that are, you know, telling me, showing me something. Uh, I had a friend who lived in the neighborhood and I went over to my phone to reach to call him and the phone was dead completely. There was no dial tone, no nothing. Right. 
No cell phones back then, y'all. No cell phones back then. So I go downstairs again. Now, this is later now, and I knock on the door again, and I asked if their phone went out because we're on the same wire, um, and their phone was working perfectly fine. And I said, well, my phone is dead. I don't know what happened here. And, uh, well, anyhow, that phone was dead for two weeks, and the the phone company could not figure out why there was no connection. And all of a sudden one day it just started. Can you imagine being without a phone at home for two weeks? <laughs> I was devastated since I was very social back then. <laughs> but um, you had to use your neighbor's line. You had to I did. Phone. I did. I had to go over. And so I met with my friend that night at a coffee house and I was explaining to him what happened. And he is like, you've got a spirit in this house. And, um, I went back to work the following week and one of my coworkers, um, Marcella is her name. She says, I know this psychic medium in Canada, which is just over the Detroit river. You should go see her and see what's going on in your, in your apartment. I said, okay. So, um, I made an appointment with her and I went over to Canada over the bridge and her name was Nancy. And she was lovely. She uh, welcomed me in and um, sat me down. And the first thing she said to me, she says, you have a spirit in your apartment. And that's why you're here. And you're wondering why this is happening to you. And I said, yes, absolutely. That's why I'm here. I was so blown away that she knew right from the get go. So she says to me, um, the spirit that you have in your home um, tells me that your mother's family is associated with that house. Did they own it? She says, because there's some connection with your mom's family. And I says, no, my mom did, didn't own that house. And, um, or my mom's family didn't own the home. And she says, well, I asked spirit again. And she's, and the spirit tells me that there is a connection with your mom's family associated with that home. Right. So, you know, I was taking all this in and I was like, well, I, I found this place on the, in the paper, you know, looking at 15 different apartments. It was a random thing. I know, I know no history of this place. She says to me, the spirit knows your family and there's an association with that building and your mother's family. And you need to ask your parents, you know, your mom and her family about this. Right. So I, um, I, I came home, you know, and I, I did acquire, but to go on with the reading, uh, Nancy explained to me, she says, the reason all these things are happening to you is because you're a medium, Anthony. And I said, I'm a medium. I said, what's a medium? And she says, what I do, she goes, I connect with the spirit world of people who used to live in the physical world. I said, oh, no way. I'm not a medium. She says, oh, no, you are. (laughs) And um, I was in such denial at the time. I I couldn't. I was like, there's no way. She says, oh, wait. She says, there's more. You're going to do this for work later on in your life. And she says, you've been chosen to do this for work. That's the difference. There's a difference of being interested in it, but there's a difference when they handpick you. And I said, there's no way I'm doing this, right? I I mean, I just was at a different place 
And I don't think I was mature enough at the time to work with mediumship and the responsibility that's involved with it. But um, she says to me, she says um, the spirit um, passed away during the depression. Um, He was, I guess, some type of finance, um, you know, investor. And he knew that there was going to be a depression and the stock market was going to crash. So he pulled all of his, his money out. And so apparently um, this man would walk in down the street and my grandmother, she, he, the spirit was saying my grandmother would wave to him and they would converse from the porch to the street. And she got acquainted with him and he knew my family. That's what she said to me. Okay. And you have to understand, like, this had to be really overwhelming for me at the time to, like, listen to all of this because I had no knowledge of it. You had quite some adventures before you even end up here at her. Right. You had, like, your own, like, Whoopi Goldberg or something. It was was that intense, to be honest with you. Um, So, anyhow... um, Apparently, he, she says, the spirit says he was jumped during, um, at the corner there of where I lived. And um, apparently, they were trying to rob him. And they hit him on the head. And I don't know if he fell a certain way, but he hit his head on the concrete and he passed away. It wasn't intentional, but he did die there, right? And uh, so I was writing all this down, correct? And I wanted to do my research. Um. So I'm trying to think what else. Um, oh, and so she says, so when you want to your mom, like, well, just, well, yes, I'm getting to that. So she says, you want to get rid of him because she goes, you are going to buy your own home and you're going to buy your own business. And Anthony, he's going to come with you. If you don't tell him, like he, he needs to, to, he needs, you need to release him. He needs to not come. Like, so anytime you have a physical, you know, issue, just tell him to move on and, and that, you know, go towards the light. And, and um, but actually, you know, I don't think he was really haunting me. He was just attracted to my energy. And I think that he was attracted to my family. Right. And he's, she says, he just loves your energy and being around you. You're so bubbly and, you know, outgoing and he just loves being around you. Anyway, so I go back to find out from my mom. I call her and she says, she doesn't, she says, well, I, I know we lived across from Dickerson Elementary School. I look across the street and Dickerson Elementary School is across the street from me. Right. And so I, I said, it can't be the same house. So she says, talk to um, your Aunt Molly, who's, you know, four years older than me. And she says, she will speak uh, to you about uh, the history of, you know, because we did live on, we did live across from Dickerson Elementary School. So I call my Aunt Molly. She says, we lived on Edwin Street. Well, I lived on Edwin Street. I says, do you remember the address? She says, no, but we were four houses from the corner. And I was four houses from the corner. So fast forward, my Aunt Molly comes over my place to take me out for breakfast um, with my sister. And they come in through the back entrance, of course, up to the apartment. And she had never been to my place. And I thought she slipped and fell because she she kept saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And it was it almost sounded like it was a traumatic situation that happened. So I open up the door 
and they're on the stairway. And I said, what's wrong? Did she fall? And my sister says to me, no, she seems to think this is the house that she was raised in. Oh, wow. So I said, you've got to be kidding me. She's my aunt. My aunt came into my place and she said it was like a time warp and she had tears coming down her face. Her face was soaked. I'm telling you, she said, because it was during the depression, it was very emotional for people back then. You know, it was a very hard time. And, um, you know, there was uh, seven, seven siblings living in that upper apartment. Yes. And my grandmother and grandfather were divorced at the time and which was unheard of that time at that time. So, um, but my grandmother um, knew that gentleman that was walking in front of the house. And apparently, um, you know, he helped her financially. I mean, he gave her some money at times and, and uh, was very close to the family. And so I researched this at the library in Hamtramck. And sure enough, I found the newspaper article, and I, I don't have the, the man's name. I have it in one of my papers um, uh, tucked away. But uh, I did find the evidence that that man did pass away in the mugging because there just wasn't that many deaths at that time in the city. Um, so that was quite an experience for me. And um, when I was uh, – I heard the clap later on that day when I was in the apartment uh, – when I got home from my, my reading and I said to him out loud, I said, if it's you, give me a sign and two pictures on opposite ends of the, of the home fell to the floor. They fell off the wall and fell on the floor and they didn't, they didn't break, which I was really surprised. But if you can imagine, I saw them fall simultaneously (laughs) at the same time. I think that was a pretty good sign. <laughs> wow. I know. That's it was a heck of a story. And there's more to it. There's just, there's a lot more. I just, that's the fast We're version. We're going to have to have you back on. <laughs> We're so, going to have to have you back on to talk yeah. about it. Well, and, and the funny thing is, um, I, I remember having a housewarming party at my new home. In Ferndale, I had left the apartment after three and a half years. And, you know, you fix up your place and then you have a housewarming party. And I had probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 people there. And we're, we're in the back and we're having, you know, festivities and food and drinks and stuff. And one of my friends was speaking and uh, he was talking to us, telling us about a story of something. And in the corner of the far room, that loud clap happened and it stopped him in his tracks in his conversation and everybody kind of looks and and they said what was that and my friend ann was there at the time and she says he's back (laughs) like that and i says no he's not and so i go walking over to the corner where i heard the clapping by this time i was already used to speaking to him um you know in private and I automatically, it was just kind of like, I didn't even think about it. And I went over there and I said, listen, now you are not going to stay here. Um, thank you for coming to my party, but you must leave now. And, you know, you're not coming back and blah, 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 blah. And I suddenly realized how quiet it was in the room. 
<laughs> and I turned and everyone was just looking at me with their eyes this big and thinking that was the strangest thing they've ever seen. And I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. And every, and so my friend Anne explained about the whole story with the spirit and everybody was interested in hearing about it. And we all laughed about it, but it was, yeah, that's what happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and I didn't see him after that. That was and the last time. Or not see him, but everybody. That is just one of his many stories that we're, you know, you guys just have to give this episode a five-star review and let us know that you want Anthony to come back on and talk a little bit more. You want to play a little game? We, we have time just for a little game. I call it, are we going to book it? Or are we going to book it out of there? <laughs> you want to play? So this sure. is where we are going to, if I can find it, we go. So I am going to share my screen. So this is where we are going to look at one of my favorite Instagram pages called Cheap Old Houses. Have you ever seen this? No, I haven't. Okay. So let's take a look at the winner that I picked today. So it seems like I don't even know where this is at. Somewhere in Italy. It says I'm speechless over these floors and ceilings. Look. Listed for 75,000 pounds, 81,000 and some change American dollars. Beautiful. Large character house with amazing original floor tiles on the, I'm not going to even say that because I will butcher it. It looks like Molise region. The house is situated on historic center. Oh my God, all these Italian words that I'm just going to butcher. You guys are going to have to go to this listing. So we've got 2,800 square feet. The main entrance is situated on the ground floor where a characteristic stone arch portal leads into a characteristic alley. Here we find the main door of the house that opens directly into a large living room with beautiful, authentic cement tiles from the living room. Four fabulous antique doors lead to two very, very wide. It doesn't say on here. Hold on. Well... Oh, there you go. Uh, Very large bedrooms. Both bedrooms are very bright thanks to the double exposure, and one of the rooms features original cement tiles with geometric pattern. The terrace enjoys a fantastic view across the hills of the, um, looks like uh, Magella, Magella Mountains. Mm -hmm. So let's take a fat, oh. That looks like the servant stairs from, Yes. Or Arthur Finley. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. I would, I I mean, are we staying there, Anthony? Would you stay here with me for a minute? Oh, yeah, it's great. It's beautiful. Really good, like, mediumship demo communication right there. That would be cool. The mosaic tiles on the floor are just gorgeous. Oh, my God. Those, Those would probably trip me out. Those look um, very much like, um, who's the painter that does all those things where it's like uh, the painting is coming at you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very three-dimensional, isn't it? Yes, it's very trippy. Um, 
Oh, beautiful again. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would stay here. I would definitely, I would stay here, y'all. This, I mean, this place definitely has some spirit energy to it. It does. It has good energy, though. It's got good energy. It does. It has loving, really. It seems like there's a lot of, um, to me, a lot of gatherings there at this home. Yeah, it seems like we've got playful energy. Look at that archway mm-hmm. going in. Yeah. I want to see the whole, okay, that's, that's a beautiful view. Okay, Gosh. we're going to book it there, and, and meaning we're going to stay there. Okay, so I've got one more, okay? Okay, so I found this, and, and this is kind of in your area, Summerfield, uh, North Carolina. Okay. Let's see. It looks like it used to be like an old bank or a butcher shop or something. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, this is an old hardware store, it says. Um, many possibilities. Uh, the finely detailed Gordon hardware store was built in the 1870s by a local carpenter builder, J. George J. Smith, who had also built the elaborate store on the other corner of Henry Clay, Britain. Um, Noah Webster Oldburn, Britain's, Britain's cousin, eventually opened up a general store merchandise, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. Talk a lot about the history of it. And we are going to, though, we want to look at the fabulous photos of it. Okay, the outside <clears throat> looks all right. It definitely needs some shrubs and some. It needs some some some, some repair. Yep. Definitely. I, I I don't know, Anthony. I got dust allergies. This. I would investigate in here. Oh wow. It's uh, it's kind of cool. Um. You know, I um, I have um, remodeled a few homes in my life, and at this point of almost being 60, I don't think I could go through it again. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can do that. Uh, but um, I don't I, – I, I think I'm going to have to pass on staying here. It looks very dead. <laughs> yeah, the, the energy is um, – it seems like it's it's had some hard times. Yeah, it seems like this, you know what, this seems like a staircase that leads up to a living area or an office area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Oh, what was that? I don't know. Oh, that's the back side. That's the back side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well I'm gonna I'm gonna book it out of there. I'm I'm gonna pass that place. Uh, looks a little too much for my for my flavor for my uh, for my preference of things. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Anthony? It's too too much of a restoration. It's too much. We're not even gonna we're not even gonna try to even even stay there at all for for any of it on there. Let me see on here. How do I do this? Show me what I'm do- I'm talking to my Zoom by the way because. I've got no idea. Sometimes I'm just clicking buttons to see what happens. <laughs> uh, trying to get it to come back to full. There we go. How about stop sharing? There we go. Um, so, you guys, if you like this episode, give us a five-star review. 
if you have a ghost story of your own, you know, get in contact with the podcast, let us know. You want Anthony to come back on and share more of his lovely stories, let us know as well. And if you need to get in contact with him, his information is in the episode's bio as well. And you can Google him at the Asheville Medium and he will pop up. You guys, you won't regret sitting down for 30 minutes or an hour with this man to have a lovely, lovely, insightful conversation, no matter if it's mediumship, intuitive work, or whatever it is that you're looking for, guys. Thank you once again for tuning in, guys, to the Haunted Road Trips show. Stay cool, stay calm, stay awesome out there, okay? Thank you for tuning into the Haunted Road Trips show, where we share powerful conversations, insights, and exciting site investigations that reveal the paranormal world in a way you've never seen before up until now. Remember to visit our website at www.hauntedroadtripsshow.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Haunted Road Trips show. And remember, paranormal history is dying to be heard.